0: I'm Jeff, one of the pastors, the only pastor that's on uh, American soil right at the moment. So uh, you get to hear me preach today. It's exciting to have those two teams out and uh, off and doing the things that God has for them to do. We'll look forward to hearing their reports when they get back. This is, uh, we're nearing the end of Lent. For those of you guys that gave up something for Lent along with me, I know some of you are like, one more week. Did I tell you this story already? My favorite story is, is my friend who, uh, uh, she gave up wine for Lent. Did I tell you this story? She gave up wine for Lent. And she heard me say the first day that uh, it was really great because she knew that, uh, that I gave that first caveat that in history, the church sometimes during Lent, Sundays were these mini celebrations. And so you, they, would, they would return to whatever it is they gave up for that one day and sort of celebrate. She's like, so I'm doing that. So I gave up wine, but not on Sundays. And then she goes, but... Really, it's like sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday, so sort of Saturdays and Sundays, and then actually we've kind of stretched it to the weekend. So I gave up wine except for weekends, and then Wednesday because that's date night. So I gave up wine except Wednesdays and the weekends, and then and then every other Tuesday's book club. So I gave up wine for Lent, <laughs> except for four days a week. So I'm I'm all good. But with those of us that gave up something for Lent, it was this this, uh, this spiritual discipline of releasing something that is of Of importance to us or that at least just the the absence of it would remind us of God's presence and God's sufficiency. And so it's a discipline for 40 days, 46 days really, if you count the Sundays, of longing for God, getting in touch with, you know what I really hunger for is God. I want more of you, God, in my life. So we're getting near the end of that, you guys. And uh, this week is Passion Week. Um, You know, for those of you that, here's a little lesson, for those of you who didn't grow up in the church like me, you know, Passion we Passion uh, we call it Passion Week or the Passion of Christ, which is his death and, uh, and crucifixion. And that, that is, it comes from the, from the Latin word that means suffering. And so it's this week that's leading up to Christ's arrest and, and beating and crucifixion and death to Easter Sunday, which is the celebration of resurrection, which is what we understand to be the high point of our spiritual Christian journey that uh, God has in fact overcome sin, and death by, by Jesus' death. And so we have forgiveness and a restored relationship with him. That's good news. And that's Easter. So this is, this is the, the uh, holy week that we're in. This Palm Sunday begins at Jesus entering into Jerusalem for the last week of his life. When they cried out and worshiped him, he came in on a donkey as the kids rightly uh, received candy for knowing. And, uh, and there he was proclaimed. Uh, by doing that, riding in a peaceful king, riding in on a donkey, bringing, ushering in a kingdom of peace, because he was going to bring restoration, peace between us and God. This is such great news. And Friday night, we'll, we'll celebrate uh, uh, Good Friday, the Lord's death, and then Sunday, his resurrection. That's all Week. Well, we, we wanted to uh, acknowledge this Palm Sunday, the beginning of the end of Lent, and, and yet we want to move on in our sermon series uh, called How Then Should We Pray? And it's very relating, uh, the, uh, re- the two things relate this idea of Jesus coming and bringing victory over death and sin and hell, and this line in the phrase, uh, this, these phrases, these lines in the Lord's Prayer, this sermon, this morning, this uh, is on that phrase, lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. That's the line of the, of the, of the uh, prayer that we pray. Now, going into the scriptures, we'll read it a little bit differently. Look back with me at the scriptures in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, this is, I'll just read this. We're going to uh, recite it together at the end of the service. But this then is how you should pray. Our Father, and this is, well, I don't want to go over that too fast. Jesus is teaching. He goes, this then is how you should pray. How do we interact with God? How do we talk to God? What's prayer? It's the meaning of prayer. where That's the longing of every human heart. And Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. And he begins to teach. And we've preached on each one of these phrases. In our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. This is the text for today. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? The evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus is teaching, this then is how you should pray. And I want to parse a couple of phrases and then teach a little bit on, uh, on some implications. Of it. This then is how you should pray. The first phrase is, lead us not into temptation. It re- re- immediately it raises a question, right? Lead us not into temptation. It, leads us, it immediately raises this question, How would God lead us into temptation? What kind of God would lead us into temptation? Like, what is crazy? What a terrible thing for him to do to lead us into temptation. And in fact, right away, we know that that can't be exactly on the face value what it means because James chapter one, look at this verse. James one says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil. And then what's the next phrase? Say it with me. Nor does he tempt anyone. Okay. So we know that, that sort of the, on the surface, that idea that God's going to maybe lead us to temptation is not, a, he's not going to do that. It says here he won't do it. Verse 14, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their evil desire and enticed. So there's a tempting that happens, but it comes from outside of God. So if you go back and look at that text again, or that phrase, lead us not into temptation, it can't actually mean that God's going to lead us into temptation. So looking at it a little more carefully, our Greek scholars are, you know, are saying, you know it's really more of a rhetorical way of asking for God to protect us from temptation so that we won't sin, so that we'll be faithful, we won't fall. And so maybe a rephrase of that is, let us not be brought into temptation. So Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And friends, this first line for you, if it's helpful for you to retranslate it a little bit as you're sitting with the Lord, is to pray along these lines of, let us not be brought into temptation, God. We don't wanna go into that place of temptation. Now, temptation, I should also tell you, temptation is also sort of equal to the word trials or testing that you see in the Scriptures. When you see the word test or testing in the Scriptures or trials, it's sort of a common, I mean, it's sort of a parallel word. And what we do know is that God, in fact, does lead us into times of testing. It says, Jesus was brought into the desert for a time of testing. That was Jesus's, remember that for his 40 days in in the desert, like Jesus was brought there for a time of testing. We know that God does test or allows testing. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.2 is super famous verse that um, Moses is telling the Israelites. He goes, listen, the Lord led you into the desert for 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. So God does allow these times of trials or of testing to come into our lives. And and we know that those aren't always bad things because God's brought them to this time of testing to see what's going on inside of us, for us to know what's going on inside of us, if we're gonna put our hearts in God's hands or not. James uh, chapter one is a super famous verse. I don't have it up here either, but James one, uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face, what, Trials of many kinds is the same word. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must continue its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And so God will bring us into these things or these things will come and they can be good and they'll test the metal of our faith in God. So for sure that is, that's going on in the scriptures, but God, doesn't lead us to the place of tempting. uh, Well, he leads us, but he won't tempt us to do sin. That's not what he does. And so maybe the best amplified version of this one phrase is this. It's lead us away from situations, temptations, testings, trials, the hard things. Lead us away from those things, God, where we're vulnerable and we're going to have the opportunity to sin and be unfaithful to you. This first line, friends, lead us not into temptation, is but Jesus said, you should pray like this. It's essentially getting us in touch with this idea of, I don't want to fall, God. I don't want to sin. I want to be faithful to you. I'm done living in my flesh. I'm done living away from you. I'm done living outside of your will. I don't want to fall. So God, whatever it takes to preserve me so that I do not sin, do that, God. Don't, I know you're not going to tempt me because God says he doesn't tempt anybody, but don't lead me into something that's so hard that I'll have the opportunity to sin. Don't, don't put me in the, in the position where the devil can get a hold of me because of my weak flesh so that I'm going to sin. Don't, don't give me up to my own desires because I'm so vulnerable that I'm going to end up sinning. Lead us not into temptation is this idea of, God, lead me away from all that stuff. Protect me because I don't want to fall. That's what lead us not into temptation means second phrase then is a parallel phrase. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but, but deliver us away from the evil one who's the one that is going to use trials and tests and our flesh. He's going to use that stuff to get us to fall away from God. So you see the two halves of this phrase? Don't God, Don't bring us into those places or keep us from being brought into those places where we're going to fall and keep the enemy away from us. Keep the devil away from us because he's the one that's going to want us to fall. Now, you notice right away here that it says, deliver us from the evil one. We pray, the traditional prayer, based on the old King James, which was written in the 1500s, the King James English translation, it, we pray, but deliver us from evil, Right? And the reason is, it's, it's Greek, and I won't bore you with the details, but the reason is, is that this noun, this, this evil, can be either masculine or neutered. If it's masculine, it means the evil person, the evil one, meaning Satan. If it's neutered then the, the, then in gender, then it means just sort of in general, so it's from evil. And the best scholarship to date now, the more and more they learn about Greek at this time, they know that it's that it's. It was supposed to, intended to be masculine. It's about the evil one, and there's really good reasons for it, and the evidence is overwhelming, which is why you find it in most of your modern Bibles that way. Lead us, uh, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So what we're getting to here, friends, is that this is a message Jesus is talking to us about how to deal with the forces of evil. Now. I am aware that I am getting into some crazy thin ice for some of you because you're like, wait, are we really talking about Satan and his demonic forces? And the answer is yes, that's what this is about. That there's Satan and his demonic forces and Jesus is saying, I wanna teach you how to pray. God, bring me away from anything that can cause me to fall and men especially take me out of the hands of Satan. Do you pray like that, church? Here's a couple of details about the evil one. Some of the details are sketchy, but we know he's a fallen angel. We don't know much more about him or how that all happened. He's called Satan. He's called the devil. He's called the evil one. He's called the prince or the ruler of this world. Scripture teaches that he came to steal and to kill and to destroy. In other words, in opposition to what Jesus does of bringing life, he demeans it and destroys it. Scripture says he tempts, he accuses, he lies. In fact, he's called the father of lies. And he has demons, other fallen angels, who have some freedom to wreak havoc in people's lives and even have some control, some measure of control over people, even to the point where some people can be entered into by these. That's possession. And any of you who grew up in the 70s with me saw The Exorcist have been frightened ever since. Time out. You need to know that when you become a Christian, when you say yes to Jesus and receive his forgiveness and the gift of salvation from God, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. When the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you, no demonic force can ever come and possess you, cannot happen to you as a believer. But these forces can come and oppress us, tempt us, pressure us, bring all kinds of situations to us that will... In order, the idea there is they they are trying to get us to fall away, to be unfaithful to God. And so this phrase, "Deliver us from the evil one," really can be said like this: "Keep the tempter away." And there's an idea of protect, which is God, don't, like don't even let him near me. Protect, spare me from that stuff. Spare me from the evil one's attack on my life. Spare me from it. There's, so there's this there's protect and spare us. And then there's also rescue us and save us, meaning and if because if the enemy has already gotten a foothold, if the enemy is just walloping me, rescue me from his hands. That's what this says. Now, I'm going really fast. This is some teaching because I want you to see what the Scriptures teach about this because most people are like, I don't know, the devil, red tail, the whole thing. We know more about the devil from Dante's Inferno and from Halloween costumes than we do from our reading of the Scriptures. And I want you to know what the Scriptures teach. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Leave me not in temptation. Keep me away, God, from the stuff that's going to cause me to stumble and fall and be unfaithful to you, especially Protect me and rescue me from Satan and his evil forces. That is a thing. And that's something Jesus goes, you've got to pray like this. You have to have this in your prayer life, this spiritual protection. You can see why Jesus said to pray like that. And I even asked this question, I wanted to put it up on the board. So why do we pray like this? Why do we pray this way? Because there is a spiritual battle going on. This is what scriptures teach. And we have an enemy who tempts us to be unfaithful to our Savior, and that's what sin is. We have a spiritual battle going on and we have an enemy who tempts us to be unfaithful to our savior and that's called sin. Friend this is hard for us to believe. This is hard for us to get our heads around. We just think this feels like well didn't people believe that in the jungles like 300 years ago but we're Americans and we're educated and it's so funny people who have no problem understanding the spiritual forces in the universe, understanding even you know folks that are sort of new age in their thinking that there are things that we, they believe that you can't quantify everything and there's stuff going on in the world that you can't see or you can't test in a lab. Like people understand that we as believers, Christian believers, who really truly believe that God is real and that he created everything and that he's brought me into this life and, 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 and sent Jesus for me. I mean, and yet we can't give ourselves over to this idea that there's this demonic, these demonic forces and spiritual forces of evil. And I actually think it's one of the enemy's temptations is for us to not believe in him. But Jesus goes, listen, let me tell you how to pray. And he goes through this litany of prayer. And here we are at the end of his prayer. And he says, you got to pray against the forces of evil who want you to be unfaithful. Okay, if you've heard me, go ahead and go like this, because then I'll move on. But otherwise, I'll just keep talking about it. We have a spiritual battle, and he's out to get us. Here's 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 one of the key verses, and it's all over the scriptures. Here's one of the key verses from Ephesians chapter 6. In fact, this is maybe not a bad verse for you to memorize. Finally, Paul's saying to the Ephesian church, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This, This is Paul telling the Ephesian church all these grand things about Jesus, and at the end of it, he goes, finally, listen, I want to tell you something, finally... Be careful and protect yourself because the devil's guts is scheming. Okay? It's in there, friends. It's a reality in our scriptures. For our struggle, he says, is not against flesh and blood. It is not, our struggle is not about your family of origin and the wounds that you brought to it, that you brought from it. Our struggle is not about the fact that it's hard in our times to make an economic a good a living. Our struggle is not that that person is treating you badly. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it says. It has nothing to do with flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual world. It doesn't get any clearer than that. And I'm here to remind you, church, and I, listen, I'd rather be on a mission trip than having to tell you this. I really would, but I'm, you're stuck with me. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the forces of evil in the spiritual world who are out to take you out of the game and get you to be unfaithful to who God created you to be. It is a spiritual battle to our peril. We forget that and ignore it or ignore it. You with me? So. Jesus said, so pray against this. And in my last 11 minutes and 33 seconds, I want to give you spiritual warfare 101. I want to I teach you what do we do with this, okay? We call it spiritual warfare. This is what the battle is. It's a battle against the enemy and his forces who want to take us out of the game. He want to cause us to sin. And so we call it spiritual warfare. And here are, here's spiritual warfare 101. First, basic principle. He's real and he's on the hunt to destroy you. By the way, how in the world... Do you explain without understanding that He's real and He's out to destroy us and do the opposite of what Jesus does, which is to bring life and healing and redemption and re- restoration with God and connection to the Father and spiritual gifting and power and joy? Like that's what Jesus brings. The enemy's going to bring the opposite stuff. If He's real and He's out to destroy you, without that, how in the world could we explain what has happened throughout world history? throughout oppressive regimes that are happening in the world right now, through the racism, the misogyny, the issues of human trafficking and that people could, would rape children. I mean, you go through the litany of the horrors of, and it's not about just the past. You go into the dark ages, you go into the middle ages and you think, what were people capable of, unbelievable? Well, listen, if they could look forward and see what's going on in our world right now, they'd just be like, how, are you even, how is that possible? By the way, have you, oh, never mind. I don't have time for that. So um, I want to tell you so much. You can't explain it. You can't explain the junk that is in the human condition. Well, I understand that there's an enemy who's trying to get us to act opposite of what we were created to act, to act opposite of what faithfulness to God is, to act opposite of bringing life, Okay. Where was I? He's real and he's on the hunt to destroy you. Here's the verse, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and sober of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I'm just, I feel like I'm just beating you up with these scriptures. I just feel like the truth is so, the scripture, this is what it teaches. We can't ignore this. Your enemy, the devil's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So be self-controlled and alert. Be alert and of sober mind. Friends, this was, as a youth pastor for 12 years, this is what, this is the one of the, I used to tell kids, listen, there's no molecules of sin floating around in alcohol and beer when you're a 15-year-old. That's not why we tell you not to drink. There, there's, no, there's no like sin that comes into the, 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 the chemical in marijuana that like, like that's not what we're telling. We're telling you this because when you drink and when you smoke, you're not of sober mind. And the enemy's like, My dad used to say, nothing good ever happens past midnight, and nothing good ever happens after the fourth beer, right? That's for free, not in the Bible, from my dad to you. (laughs) Some of you are like, I know, I got engaged. I know, yeah. (laughs) He's going to hunt to figure out how to steal from us, how to destroy us, how to bring death to things, and he'll use anything. He'll use, especially by the way he uses trials, he loves using trials and testings that come our way. Because instead of strengthening us the way that God says, consider those things joy, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance will bring you to maturity. Like there's like hard times in life that come our way, whether our junk brought it, whether circumstances brought it, whether the devil brought it, whether God allowed it, whatever. Those hard circumstances in our life, God can use those things to strengthen us and bring glory to him. And the enemy's gonna look for ways in those trials to take us out of the game. He'll use anything. And so Jesus, we're talking about how Jesus taught us to pray. And so we pray covering and protection over ourselves. Remember, he can't win. He can't win. Jesus has already brought victory. The Holy Spirit is in us. Okay, Jesus is gonna have his way in the universe when it's all said and done. So Satan really can't win. So we come and pray. He's gonna hunt and look for ways to take us out of the game, but we don't have to let him do that. So we pray protection and covering over us. One of my uh, morning prayers that I pray nearly every morning taped in the front of my Bible. Here's, here's, here's a paragraph in it because these words are, I write it because uh, it's, these words are better than, than trying to bring it off the top of my head. It says this, And now I bring, now God, I bring the fullness of your work, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension. I bring that against Satan, against his kingdom and against all his emissaries and all their work warring against me and my domain. Do you hear these words? Oh, this fires me up, by the way. I'm not messing around. <laughs> I bring the fullness of your work, your cross, your resurrection, your ascension against Satan, against his kingdom and against all his emissaries and all their work warring against me and my domain. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That's from, from Scripture, friends. Christ has given me authority to overcome all the power of the evil one, and I claim that authority now over and against every enemy, and I banish them in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? By the authority and the presence of the Holy Spirit in me, I banish their influence over me because I'm Jesus' person, and his spirit is greater than the enemy's power. Do you hear it? We pray protection over ourselves. We pray covering over ourselves. We, if he's there roaring around trying to destroy us, we come at it. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Deliver us from the evil one. And I end that sentence by saying this. Holy Spirit, apply to me and to Linda and to Brooke and Emily and Anna and Tommy the fullness of the work of the ascension of Jesus Christ for us. I receive it with thanks and give it total Claim to my life. I'm a Jesus person. I proclaim his resurrection. I proclaim his victory. I proclaim his power, his power that is at work within me over that spirit, because the one who's in me is greater than the one who's in the world. And with that authority, I banish the enemy and all of his forces that are coming against me. I win, you pinhead. You pray that. How then should we pray? Jesus goes, This is how you should pray. Deliver me from the enemy. Because here's one of the truths He's real and He's on the hunt to destroy you. Second, our job, part one of our job, our job is to be alert and to pray. Our job is to be alert and to pray. This comes from Mark chapter 14. This is in the garden where Jesus is now. This is, this is during Passion Week. He's in the garden with his disciples. Remember, and he went off to pray. And uh, he was like, Lord, do I really have to go to the cross? Can you take this cup for me and all that? And he said to his disciples to watch. And he, he, he returned to the disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Can you not keep watch for one hour? Can you just keep your eyes open? The stakes are so high right now. Can you not just stay awake? For a minute, watch and pray. Read it with me, so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus, what's Jesus teaching us to pray? Lead us not into temptation. And so the answer is to watch and to pray. That's our job: to watch and to pray, to be alert and to pray. And what's just basically saying is that we're going to be alert and aware. We're going to watch for when it is that we might, in fact, be being tempted by Satan. We. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look, we're going to watch, we're going to look for his tactics so that we don't fall for those tactics. Go back to that screen, uh, Davis, that job, or part one of our job so you can see it. We're going to stay alert, we're going to watch, we're going to keep in mind that this is the dynamic that we're in, this is the battle that we're in, that we're in a war and we're going to look for when maybe that war is happening toward us. So we're going to pray. How do we pray? We're going to pray for discernment. We're going to pray for discernment and revealing from God. We're going to pray for discernment. Just like when we, you know, we want to say, man, where's God? What's he up to today in my life? What's God leading me to? We want to look and say, I wonder what the enemy would want to be doing right now in this situation and how might he be coming at me? And so I want to be alert and I want to watch for it. Because friends, by the way, you start walking with God for a while. You start to realize that there's these familiar patterns that develop. Have you noticed that? He works in the same ways. There's some familiar patterns in which he comes at you. He's seeking to destroy you, so he doesn't come at your places of strength. He's seeking to destroy you, so he doesn't come when you're at your best, wherever that is. And so when you're traveling on a work trip or when you're feeling lonely or when you had a fight with your, with your boyfriend or when, like these, mo- these low moments, for example, are one of the places. So you watch and you're alert and you're praying for discernment. What does the enemy wanna to do to me right now? And you're careful to, be, uh, to not fall for any of the things that he's coming uh, at you with. I think about some of the ways that, in which we're chronically weak, that our, our flesh is chronically weak. And we, 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 you know, it's like, okay, I'm angry on Monday mornings. I drink too much on the weekends. I get resentful uh, about uh, my life when I have to spend time with my uh, parents. Or, you know, like there's these places in our lives when we realize that oh, my flesh keeps... Getting weak. Remember what, what the text was? Jesus said to, to Peter, I don't know if I read the end of it. He said, Watch and praise, so you do not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, where our flesh is weak, the enemy comes at us. And so, we pray for discernment and eyes open so we can see, oh, that's the thing he comes at me. I had a guy who said, and I'll, and I'll disguise all the names in the, in the cities to keep anonymity, but I had a guy say to me, Man, he goes, You know what? Here, let me be truthful. I love going to the home office in Omaha because there is a woman there that makes me feel like a million bucks. And he's married. And so there's that flesh thing in him that for whatever reason, what's going on in his marriage, rather than stepping up into the difficulties in that, rather than stepping up into the healing that needs to happen, rather than living in the fact that, um, every marriage is imperfect, there's this fantasy woman in Omaha that stirs something in him. His flesh is perpetually weak. And we pray, Jesus has us praying, open your eyes and watch so that you do not fall into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you get to start seeing where that stuff is happening. So be careful. That's our job, part one. Open your eyes, be alert and pray. Our job, part two, is to then resist him and submit fully to God. Resist him and submit fully to God. Look at this verse from James four, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, say this part with me, and he will flee from you. Look at the promise. It's right there. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You come near to God, he's going to come near to you. So wash your hands. That means repent, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. <laughs> love that verse. <laughs> He's like, listen, decide you don't want to be unfaithful. Decide you don't want to be sin. Make the decision. Repent of the junk inside you that continues to to, to be that guy, that girl. And and say, look, I'm coming near God. I'm going to resist the devil. And what's the promise? If you resist the devil, what will happen? He will flee. It's a promise. It's going to happen. And it works. And you don't know until you try it. And some of us as young Christians, man, we used to know this kind of victory all the time because first of all, we were young and our flesh was really, really strong back then. And we used to say, God, you gotta take this away from me. You gotta, you gotta care for me. You gotta take this temptation. And, and God would just keep coming through and now we sort of go, ah, that's me. I got this skeleton in my closet, I got this habit that's just really probably not harming anybody. I got this thing that's just kind of the way I am and you know what, my wife's finally done nagging me about it and I've already screwed up my kids so I'm just this guy now. Now our job part two is to submit ourselves fully to God, to his transforming power, to his lordship, to the the Holy Spirit inside of us. We submit fully to God, we lean into that and we resist the devil and he flees from us. We wash our hands of sin and go, I don't don't want that. So how do we pray? We confess, God, I love going to Omaha. I love it. It's an easy win. I don't have to care for that woman. I don't have to be kind to that woman. I don't have to live with that woman. I don't know that woman's imperfections. I love going to Omaha because she makes me feel like a million bucks and I can toy with that. So let me confess to you, God, I don't want to be that guy. I want purity in my heart for her sake, because she's a child of yours. For my marriage's sake, for your name's sake, God, I'm going to wash my hands and grieve and mourn and wail. That scripture in James says, if you went on to read it, I'm going to confess, and then I'm going to pray for the strength to resist. God, let me be your man in this situation. And then we step into that obedience as strong and powerful, mighty warrior men and women of God who step into that role. And when we get to Omaha, we do not sit next to her at the meeting so we can chit-chat and laugh about what's going on. We do not go for drinks afterward. We go back to the hotel alone. That's our job. Resist him and submit fully to God. And I'm done, I gotta finish the last one. And we expect God to rescue us. That's spiritual warfare 101. We expect God to rescue us. Here's the verse that you cannot, this is the money verse. Michael, why don't you come up here because I want you to play during our prayer experience. But this is the money verse, friends. Look at this at the end. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Memorize this verse. Here's your homework. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you or overtaken you. No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to all people, to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. God's faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. This is God's faithfulness, friends, that God's gonna provide a way out. God's gonna provide a way for us to be obedient. God's gonna provide a way for us to be faithful. God's gonna provide a way for us to not fall. God's gonna provide a way for us to resist the devil's temptations. God's gonna provide a way for us to step into who we were destined to be, who we were created to be, who pleases him, who brings joy and fruit to our family and to the world. God will be faithful to give you the power to resist the devil and to live into who you were supposed to be. Come on now, church. That is who you are, and God will be faithful to help you succeed in it. Every time, no, because your flesh is weak, you dummies, you pinheads. We just, we're so stupid. We're so dumb. We still say yes to sin because it feels good in the moment. Anybody, any amens in the crowd for that? But God will always provide a way out so that we can endure. We can endure it. Jesus taught us to pray against the enemy's screams and schemes. But I know it seems like a lot of work. I know it seems like a lot of work. But if we want life, if we want the kingdom of God to come, if we want all those things that are in the rest of the prayer, then we pray, lead us, God, away from the stuff that might cause us to fall and deliver us from this evil one who wants to take us out. And he promises to be faithful and allow that to actually happen. And so we do this battle. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. In these last few minutes, I just want you to pray in the room to here. I've got a prayer prompt. The first, first part of it, I just want you to see on the screen here behind me. I don't know that you need to write it down, or, but I just want to give you a sense of it so that you know how to sort of give life to this prayer. If you were to expand that line in Jesus' prayer, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. I would start this way. Here's the submission. Father, I submit to you my whole self, my heart, my soul, my mind, my body. Help me to walk in the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. That's let me be your man. Let me be your woman. I submit to you, God. And there's confession in there as well. And then on the side screens. Do you have that second part? Is it up there, Daryl? Yeah. By your might. By your mighty strength, and in the name of our victorious and gracious Savior Jesus, I reject the enemy's attempt to lure me to sin or to keep me sinning in this way, in that thing, in that desire to go to Omaha, in that whatever it is. You see the battle that's there? By your strength, in your name, because you've been victorious, you are gracious. Jesus, I reject the enemy's attempts to lure me to sin or to keep me sinning. Here's the sin, God, that I believe in your power. So in just two minutes, just pray silently. Look at that. Maybe there's a sin or some areas of sin that you need to confess, and I'll close this in just a minute. Use that as a prayer experience right now. So church, I got some bad news, and the bad news is that you're at war and that there's an enemy of your soul who's out to destroy you. And the good news is, the good news is that Jesus Christ possesses you and is faithful to strengthen you and protect you, to give you discernment, to lead you into faithful living. So let's fight the battle and live into all it is that God has called us to be because God called us to to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.